0: I am like the roaring lion in the dream. My roaring will wake you up from this dream, unto reality. This is The Lion's Roar, the DSI podcast all about understanding the teachings of Satya Sai Baba in their truest form. I spy with my little eye something beginning with... wait which eye is the spy and which is the eye that i'm using to spy Sairam, i'm sanjeevan and today we get all our eyes checked as we take a look at the difference between the single lettered i and the three lettered i eye, eye episode 11 4f's a fearless test and the self reassessed Over the last few episodes, Swami has shaken the very foundation of how we understand our very selves. Now that He has done all the groundbreaking and earth shattering that He can, He beautifully lays the unshakable foundation for the edifice of life, self-confidence. In this next section of the third discourse, Swami focuses on that with which we can accomplish anything and secure joy. It will help us face and surmount any difficulty. He says, develop self-confidence instead of confidence in the world. President Lincoln is one of the most well-known presidents of the United States of America. And as Swami puts it in a discourse in Prasanthi Nilayam on February 21st, 2009, he is a perfect example of self-confidence not because of his political career or the way he skillfully led a country through crisis after crisis but because of lesser known events in his younger days. Swami narrates how Lincoln was actually born into poverty. His father was a carpenter and his mother served as a tailor stitching old clothes. The fact that he used to study under streetlights sheds some light on just how dire his circumstances were. One day, His classmates, who were rich and wore fine suits, boots and hats, made fun of him and heckled him, saying that he didn't deserve to walk along with them in his poor attire. He came home crying and poured out his agony to his mother, explaining how he was insulted and humiliated. His mother explained to him that he must understand the circumstances of his family. They didn't even have enough money to eat. How could they afford new clothes? His mother counseled him. Carry on your life based on your self-confidence. Never be mindful of others' opinions. It is this self-confidence which Lincoln's mother instilled in him at a young age that gave him strength throughout his life. If you are familiar with our own Swami's story, as young Satya, he too grew up in a similar plight. What is it? That gave Lincoln and young Satya the ability to move beyond what people were saying, how they looked and the troubles they were facing. What gave them strength? Clearly, it wasn't that they went for crash course on how to dress with confidence. Where does self-confidence stem from? What do we mean by the word self? Swami says the self is of two kinds, the little self and the higher self that is the body and the Atma. The three lettered I refers to this body. The single lettered I refers to the Atma which is present in all. There may be some people who do not have the three lettered eye, or even if it is there, it could be covered by cataracts or they could suffer from other defects or diseases. The single lettered I, however, exists equally in all and is not affected by any disease or defect. With this simple analogy, Swami brings our attention to something so deep. Our I-ness is not dependent on our body. A blind man does not feel any less I. An amputee does not feel any less I just because he has lost a limb. There is no difference in the feeling of our existence. When our name is called out, we all respond saying I, regardless of our differences. This I is essentially that self in which confidence takes root. In fact, the Sanskrit word for self-confidence is Atma Vishwasam, faith in the Atma. Confidence that is based on this ever-changing transient body is naturally likely to change with the ups and downs of circumstance. When Swami points it out like this, it seems so silly that we should base our confidence on things like our looks or abilities, both of which are so transient and not really in our hands at all. I mean, it's like this, right? We could sing a bhajan perfectly one day and everyone praises us to the heavens. The next time we sing it, well, what could happen? We go off pitch, off tune, off everything and everyone including ourselves thinks, off the mic. However, if our faith is rooted in that which is unchanging and eternal, then our confidence too will be firm. We will be fearless, just like young Prahlada. Hiranyakashipu was a mighty king who had proclaimed himself the ultimate ruler of the three worlds. To him, Lord Narayana was merely an imaginary being. After all, he, Hiranyakashipu, was the master of the five elements. He could control nature, the solar system, why, he could even tilt the earth on its axis. He felt he was divine and that none should be worshipped but he, the great Hiranyakashipu. All the citizens of the world, including the demigods, sang his praise in fear of retribution. Interestingly, it was to this Hiranyakashipu that Prahlada was born. Prehlada was an intense devotee of Lord Narayana right from birth. He had been exposed to the Lord's name in his mother's womb and thus came out into the world with the inability to see anything but Lord Hari everywhere. Om namo Om namo Om Even though his father had banned it, The young boy was not able to resist chanting the name of the Lord at all times, in all places, including in front of his father. This of course enraged the king and Prahlada was subjected to much suffering and torment. Swami narrates in the 1995 summer course that despite repeated attempts to teach Prahlada the so-called right way, nothing changed his God-absorbed state of mind. Finally, there was a day when the boy had uttered the sacred words Om Namo Narayanaya one time too many for Hiranyakashipu and the king flew into an unparalleled rage. Feeling that such a boy would pose danger to his authority in the future, Hiranyakashipu determined to kill his own son. He summoned his men and had them stab Prahlada with their swords. But Prahalada was unshaken by this torture. The boy was taken outside and tied to the ground and elephants were made to walk over him. But why would one with no attachment to his body experience any pain? He remained unharmed. Then poisonous serpents were brought and let loose on him. Still, nothing happened. They threw him over a cliff in vain. The guards returned to the king and reported the miraculous happenings. O king, when we attack your son, he only repeats Om Namo Narayanaya with a charming smile on his face. He has no trace of fear, anger or hatred. He shows no pain or sorrow. To harm Prahlada is a task beyond us. What is it that gave this little boy such fearlessness? When all the soldiers and people of the world and even demigods were trembling in front of this mighty Hiranyakashipu, how did a little boy face him so courageously? I mean, what did he have? A sword? The ability to leap tall buildings in a single bound? An infinity gauntlet? Nope. Prahlada's fearlessness stemmed from his firm faith in God, in the higher self or Atma. What is this body composed of the five elements worth? You are punishing only my body. I am not related to it. It is only a garment to which I have no attachment. Father, you have body consciousness which is the root cause of I and mine. You trust the perishable body to be permanent and you forget the eternal Atma. By all accounts, Hiranyakashipu should have been fearless. He had might, he had wealth, he had power. Yet, he didn't even have the strength to tolerate the words of his own son. Prahlada, on the other hand, was incognizant of anything but the highest self and was able to withstand all the torture and suffering knowing the highest truth. The self took care of everything as he stood fearlessly to face the happenings. Swami reminds us that this body is a moving temple, not a fixed temple. Our confidence is in the divinity that is present within this temple. How incredible is it that divinity is with us every second of our lives. It is with us from the moment we are born. In fact, this confidence should be so ingrained in us that it should extend even to the confidence that we need not worry about where our next meal will come from. If you have self-confidence, the required food will come walking to you, as it were. You need not go in search of food. That is why it is said in the Bhagavatam that one who seeks the Atma is a gopi or devotee while one who seeks food is a papi, or sinner. It is a pity that having got the invaluable human birth, people are running after Anna, or food, instead of seeking the Atma. Did not that very divinity have food ready for us from the moment we were born? Somehow, somewhere along the way, we seem to have suddenly developed this idea that we need to make our own effort for sustenance. We work to earn money so that with that money, we can feed ourselves and we worry about this so much. Swami's words make us realize that instead of taking the flight from here to Bangalore to go to Prashanti we are taking the flight for the in-flight meal. We are losing track of our goal, aren't we? We need to eat to live, not live to eat. Perhaps some of you will know this analogy. Swami describes it in an interview with some of his primary school students in 1995. Picture a little bird sitting on a tree branch, happily chirping away. Then suddenly, there comes a strong gust of wind which soon develops into a storm. In a moment, the little branch on which the sparrow is sitting snaps. The branch falls to the ground. What happens to the little sparrow? That was the question that Swami posed to the little boys as they sat listening to him in rapt attention. Well, what happens? Nothing. It just flies away. Pretty anticlimactic, right? But such a profound analogy. When the storm of problems and disasters strike with such force that everything around us collapses, we must depend on our own wings to be safe. What are our wings? It is not our strength or this body's ability. The strength in our wings is our higher self, our Swami. If we look back in our lives, we can see the numerous instances where He has taken care of us. Will He not keep taking care of us? God is taking care. God will take care. With this confidence, we can surely soar above the problems, trials and tribulations of this material world and reach our destination. These trials and tribulations, by the way, are sure to come. Follow the master, face the devil, fight till the end, finish the game. Swami says that by gaining sufficient strength of mind and body, we need to boldly face the difficulties, losses and sorrows that may confront us. He gives us the formula too. We can do this by practicing the four F's. What happens when we follow the master? To follow the master means, your word is my command. In the course of our journey with the master, we have to necessarily face the devil. But it's not that the devil was not there before, it's just that, now we are on the spiritual path, we see the devil for what it is. What previously appeared as pleasure, appears as an obstacle to our spiritual discipline. What should we do? Fight till the end, till the game is finished. Sounds like a hard battle, but don't worry brothers and sisters, we are not alone. Our compassionate master has told us that all we have to do is finish the game. Swami hasn't asked us to win it. The results are in his hands. Placing our faith in this, we bring this week's episode to a finish. Until next time, stay roarsome. The bird with you, the wind with me, the sun with you, This ain't for me Oh my child You are so very Dear to me The foot with you The pop with me Walk in love And you are free Oh my child You are so very Dear